Good evening. Welcome to our study of the Rebbe's Igris letters that the Lubavitcher Rebbe wrote to all kinds of people from all walks of life that were published and that we have the benefit of studying in order to glean some of the wisdom and guidance that the Rebbe offered to so many throughout the years. Tonight's letter, <clears throat> this is our is this our third week, fourth week. This is our fourth week already of our Gimel Tamas preparation, getting ready for Gimel Tamas, the Rebbe's Yorzeit, which is coming up uh, Shabbos after this one. And uh, this Shabbos, Shabbos Movorchem Tamas. And... Just to recap a little bit, uh, our first letter was a letter to a to an illustrious chassid, uh, a chassid who uh, the Rebbe was speaking somewhat harshly to and telling him to do more in getting other people, even people who seem completely uh, to have no connection to these types of things to get them to form a relationship with the Rebbe. That was our uh, letter to Abshleim uh, Chaim Kesselman. And our second week was a letter to a, a Rav, not a Chabad rabbi, but a, uh, a Litvisher Rav, a Godel, actually a great and well-known uh, rabbi, uh, Rav Meish uh, Sternbuch, and the Rebbe was answering a question that he had asked regarding the phrasing of a of bar mitzvah invitation that a that a mutual friend Rabbi Benzian Shemtev, a bencha, had sent out. By the way, I was uh, at a chasana in Crown Heights the other day. Chasana actually for Label Shemtev, son of Levi and Basi from West Bloomfield. I've mentioned before, Levi and Basi are instrumental in making this whole class happen. So uh, when I was at the Chasana, who did I see? None other than Yisrael Shemtev. Yisrael Shemtev is the bar mitzvah boy in the letter. The letter to Harav Sternbuch that the Rebbe wrote, Harav Sternbuch is asking about a bar mitzvah invitation that was sent out by Rabbi Ben Shemtev. Who's the bar mitzvah boy in the bar mitzvah invitation? Yisrael, Rabbi Yisrael Shamtev. So I, I saw him and I, and I told him, I said, we learned your letter. And he said, it was, it's remarkable actually, he says to me, his bar mitzvah was Tavshin Yud Gimel, okay, that's 1953, so you can do the math, figure out. It's a long yodin, how, how old he is. So he, he says to me, I remember that. He says, we're walking down the street in Stamford Hill. He says, I was with my brother Avramel. Uh, Rabbi Avram Shemtov from Philadelphia. And uh, Meisha Sternbuch came right over to us. He came over to my father and he, and he asked him about the invitation. And he said, I'm going to write to the Rebbe. And he said, you do that. You write to the Rebbe. Anyways, it's very interesting to hear that real life snippet. Uh, that was our second week. And then our third week was a letter to a great rabbi, a sage, a mystic, a leader, the 
son of the Baba Sali, known as the Baba Meir, Rav Meir Abuchatzero, who was a leader in Morocco and later in, in the Holy Land. And also after that, we did a letter that's not from the Igris to a, uh, to a uh, Jewish businessman and a supporter, a philanthropist, uh, Julius Stolman. That, that was not from the Igris, but we, we read that as well because it had a thematic connection to the letter to the Baba Mayer. So those were the letters that we uh, have studied so far. Today is different because um, this letter is not to, were all our letters to rabbis? Yeah, they were all to rabbis. All our letters from Igris were, were to rabbis. This letter is not to a rabbi. In fact, this letter is written to someone who we don't even know the identity of. And sometimes we don't know the identity. I've mentioned this before in previous classes that when the Igris were published, great care was given to protect privacy. And there was a whole process, a system of redacting the letters that was uh, overseen by the Rebbe's secretariat. Mainly uh, Rabbi Simpson was involved in the, the letters archiving and in that process of redacting. And also uh, Rabbi Levin, Shalom Bear Levin from the library. But of course, the final say was, uh, was the Rebbe himself. And many details from letters did not make it to publication. And sometimes even the identity of the person to whom the letter was written is not there. So we don't know who the letter was written to. All we can tell from the letter is that this letter is written to a mother. And that she has raised a Jewish family. And from the context of the letter, she's not feeling very good about herself. So it's a little bit of a, a shift from these letters that we've been reading to big rabbis. Not just rabbis, but big rabbis. All of them, big rabbis. Um, and now we're reading a letter to someone whose identity we don't even know. She could be... Anyone, anyone of, well, really any Jewish mother from the year that this letter was written, which is uh, 1950. And in, and in that sense, I think that this letter in a certain way allows us to relate to it even more than our previous letters, especially if you're a woman. I'm not, but uh, my mother is a woman. My wife is a woman. My daughters are women. And uh, in, in a certain way, I think this letter reveals even more of a personal touch, a certain humanity that uh, perhaps some of the scholarship uh, of the previous letters may have covered over. So without further ado, let's let's go into the letter. A uh, letter to a, to a Jewish mother, to a woman. Baruch Hashem, oh, and this letter is from Igris Chelek Gimel, one of the early Chalakim, volume three. 
Baruch Hashem Tezayin Elul, Tov Shin Yud. The 16th day of Elul, you're talking about two weeks before Rosh Hashanah. And the year is Tov Shin Yud, that's 5710 or 1950. And please remember what that means. That means that we're still in that year between the passing of the previous Rebbe and Yud Shvat of Tov Shin Yud and the Rebbe formally accepting leadership on Yud Shvat of Tov Shin Yud Aleph. So that's that year where the Rebbe has not yet formally accepted leadership and uh, this is the year of, of Avelis, of mourning for the passing of the Friedrich Rebbe. Brocha v'shalom. It says, Moris, dot, 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 doesn't say, Mrs. So-and-so, the name is redacted, Tichia, may she be well. Brocha v'shalom, blessings and greetings. And as we've mentioned many times before, the standard formula of a salutation in the Rebbe's correspondences to a man is shalom uvracha, and with a woman it's bracha v'shalom, in order to not greet her first, first to bestow blessings and then the greeting. And it's about the distance, uh, the formality that is required between a man and a woman. And this letter is in Yiddish. I got your letter from the 27th of Menachem Ov. That means a few weeks prior to the uh, Rebbe's writing the response. And of course, it could have taken any number of days for the letter to reach the Rebbe. We don't know where this woman sent the letter from. Maybe she she wrote from overseas and it took weeks. We, we, we don't know. So I got your letter. In Velchen... And in this letter, you, you write your situation. You describe your, your situation. And you complain. That you are lacking goodness. Maybe even translate that as decency and piety. Basically, this woman is writing to the Rebbe and making a confession. She's saying, I'm not such a good person. I'm not such a religious person. Rebbe, I feel guilty. And this is the Rebbe's response. And as I said, I I, I think the anonymity of this letter writer is something that makes it more relatable or perhaps more um, conducive to us seeing ourselves in the place of the recipient. I also think the fact that um, this is not a well-known person. I mean, she's anonymous, but also it seems that she's not, the Rebbe doesn't seem to refer to anything in the letter that would indicate that she's a public figure. Even if her name is redacted, she could be a famous person whose name was left out. But it seems here, this is a, 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 a simple person, a regular person. Nobody's simple and nobody's regular, but on the face of it, the way that people look at things. And uh, she's writing about reg- regular life. She's writing about the regular struggles that a person has. Um, she's feeling inadequate. 
And she writes to the Rebbe and she bears her soul and she confesses her feelings of spiritual inadequacy and her moral failings, whatever they may be. So I think this is something very, very relatable. And uh, when I read the Rebbe's response, obviously I was not surprised that the response was a compassionate response. <laughs> That's, uh, that goes without saying. But uh, specifically some of the encouragement that Ebba gives, I found very, very uplifting. And, and I think also you'll see why the, the, ma- the manner of encouragement that Ebba gives to this woman, why we chose this letter as a preparation for Gimel Thomas for the Rebbe's yard site. Because the theme of all the letters, it's interesting, all these letters we've been studying so far have been very different in many ways. But the common thread between them all is that they deal with the subject of his kashras, about the relationship between a Rebbe and a Chassid and a Chassid and a Rebbe. So, yeah, basically, a woman is feeling bad about herself, she's feeling guilty, inadequate, the Rebbe is responding with compassion, and the Rebbe's compassionate response is one which has to do with the special relationship between a Rebbe and a Chassid and a Chassid and a Rebbe. Okay, I've spoiled enough of it for you. Let's, let's see what it actually says. Es steht in Chassidus wegen Chedish Alu. Und es wird euch gebracht in a Meimer von Kveit Kedishus Medevichomi Admur Hakam. It says in Chassidus about the month of Elul, and also it's brought in a Meimer of my father-in-law, and the Rebbe uses that honorific title at the end, Hakam, which we, we mentioned last week, is, a, is an acronym, Hareni. Kapodis Mishkove, which is something that is said only during the first year after passing. And as we mentioned, this letter was written during the first year after the Fidigrebis, within the, the, the Fidigrebis passing. Um, so the Rebbe says, it says in Chzidis, and it's also brought in a mimer of my father-in-law. What is this? As in Chedish Elul, is der Ebesh der Kaiser? Was felt that in the month of Elul, Hashem is like a king who goes out into the field. This is, of course, the famous marshal, the famous Hasidic parable of Hamelech Basada, the king is in the field. Now, the original source, the Rebbe says it says in Chassidus, uh, the original source is from the Alter Rebbe, from the first Chabad Rebbe. And it appears in Lakutai Torah and Parshas A, in, uh, in in a mimer Ani Ledei Li, which is on page Lamed Base Omid Base, page thirty two, uh, Folio Base Column Base, uh, Column Two. So that's the original place, but the Rebbe doesn't only quote. The idea as being from the Alter Rebbe, the Rebbe says it's from the Alter Rebbe. Actually, the Rebbe says it's from Chassidus, and it's also from my father-in-law. And I want to point out something interesting. The Rebbe doesn't get into it here in this letter, but the famous parable of the king in the field, which the the Alter Rebbe seems to be the the originator of. By the way, we don't have at least in writing, 
we don't have an earlier source for that parable. So it seems to be original to the to the Alta Rebbe. But when the when the Rebbe quotes the or paraphrases the the, the parable, he says it's both from Chassidus in general and from my father in law. And and I want to point something out. There's a there's a sicha from the Rebbe, which took place two weeks after the writing of this letter, as we read. At the beginning of the letter, this letter was, what did we say, Tezayin Elul, is that right? 16th day of Elul, and yeah. So there was a Fabrengen uh, 11 days after this letter was written. Chov Zayin Elul, Tov Yud. And it was Shabbos, Parshas Nitzavim, which is the Shabbos before Rosh Hashanah. And at the Fabrengen, the Rebbe spoke about the Melech Basada, the, the king is in the field, and pointed out how there are significant, minor, like seemingly small, but yet very significant textual changes in the way that his father-in-law, the previous Rebbe, said the parable that are changed from the way the parable is originally written in Lukutei Torah of the Alter Rebbe. So at, at the Fabreng, in Chov Zayin El, Tov Shin Yod, the Rebbe mentions that there's a mimer from his father-in-law, the mimer is called L'cho Omer Libi, and actually, L'cho Omer Libi is an interesting mimer, it's one of the maimorim, I don't know how many people understand that the Fidik Rebbe could not speak or could not speak fluently for several years at the at, toward the end of his life. Now, normally a mimer is delivered orally. A rebbe speaks a Hasidic discourse, and then it's transcribed and either reviewed by the rebbe or not reviewed, but normally it's delivered orally. The last few years of his life, the, the, the maimorim of the Friedrich Rebbe were written, and to the extent that they were pre-written, and that's why, for instance, there's a mimer, Bosilagani, which I'm sure anyone who's heard of any maimorim of the Friedrich Rebbe knows that there's a mimer called Bosilagani. That mimer came out on the day of the Friedrich Rebbe's passing. How can the Friedrich Rebbe have a mimer from the day of his passing? I'll ask you even more. Not only is there a mimer from the day of the Friedrich Rebbe's passing, but it's a hemshech, it's a serial, where there are more maimorim from dates even after his passing. So how is that possible? And, and the simple explanation is that these maimorim were prepared in advance. They were prepared from before, and they had release dates uh, ascribed to them or, or, or uh, chosen for them when they would, when they would come out. So this is months after the Fidik Rebbe's passing, and the, there are maimorim still coming out that were prepared from before. So this maimor, Libi, is similar to many of these maimorim which came out in those years, a repurposing of an earlier maimor of the Fidik Rebbe. The original version of it was Tafshin, 1940. And then the repurposing of it, the rebranding or repackaging, and 
that was overseen by the Rebbe. The Rebbe was the one who the, the Friedrich Rebbe instructed to take old Maimorim and uh, repackage them for, for republication. Um, so the original Maimor was said, Tov Shin, 1940, and then it was re-released with some changes and additions um, for Slichus, Gimel de Slichus, third day of Slichus, Tov Shin Yud which, of course, is months after Yod Shvat, months after the Fidik Rebbe's passing. So the Rebbe at this Fabrengen, I know there's a lot of dates here, the Fabrengen is 11 days after this letter that we're reading right now was written. At the Fabrengen, 11 days later after this letter was written, the Rebbe speaks about a mimer that just came out posthumously from his father-in-law, a mimer called Lecho Amr Libi, which is a rebranding or repurposing of a mimer from the Friedrich Rebbe from 10 years ago. And at the Fabrengen, the Rebbe explains that there are some seemingly minor but actually rather significant textual changes the way that the Friedrich Rebbe conveys the parable of the king in the field. Okay? One of the things which is different is that the in the in the original parable it says I'll, I'll tell you the parable in fact in the letter that we're reading it actually paraphrases the parable um, so maybe actually let's <laughs> let's read the letter and then I'll come back and I'll explain to you uh, what the Rebbe said at the Fabreng in Chovzayin Elul Tavshin Yud okay. So it's explained in Chesidus, and my father-in-law says in a mimer, as in Chedish Elul, is that Ebesh Devia Keser Vasgate Araisenfeld. Yeah, we said that. Like a king, Hashem is like a king who goes out in the field. Vas Dorten kennen alle zu gehen zu ihm. And there in the field, everyone can go to him. Und Dorten nehmen er alle men auf, bis er upon him yafis und mit der Schmeichel. And there in the field, he receives everybody with a happy face and with a smile. Nid gucken dick auf den Zustand von dem, von dem Mann oder Freu, welcher gehen zu, zu ihm. Without respect, meaning irrespective of or irregardless of the, the spiritual standing of the man or the woman who is approaching him. That's how the Rebbe in Yiddish very briefly, concisely uh, paraphrases the metaphor. There are more details in the original metaphor. Okay. So what it says is that Elul, the time of Elul, the last month of the year, is like a king who's going to the palace, but on his way to the palace, he goes through the field. And the people in the field who are ostensibly, they, they work in the field, they're like farmers, and they're not ready to go into a palace. It's not like they're wearing their formal attire and going to a state dinner. They're out in the field. They're in their overalls. I mean, that's not the wording from the marshal. I want to be careful. You don't misunderstand. But the point is there are people out in the field. And as the king's coming through the field, so they have an opportunity to go approach him. And because it's the field, he receives everybody very uh, kindly and with a kind face and... Uh, 
and uh, then everybody follows him to the palace. And if he gets to his palace and you want to approach him then, then not everybody is allowed admittance. And that's, that's the marshal, that's the parable for the difference between Elul and Tishrei. What do they say? Uh, do tshuva now and beat the holiday rush. <laughs> so Elul is the month before Tishrei, the high holidays. That's like the kings in the field. Kaparain, you know, have, you have your opportunity to approach the king. Just walk up to him. He's in the field. He's on the campaign trail. You can go over, shake his hand, take a picture, take a selfie. Just go right over to him. Once he gets into the palace, that's Tishrei. Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, High Holidays. So then he's in the palace. Now, who are you? I don't see your name on the list. You have to stand behind the velvet rope. Not everyone gets in. So that's that's the original parable. The Rebbe, so going back to the, the Fabreng, and it's 11 days after the writing of this letter, the Rebbe points out that when the Friedrich Rebbe retold the parable, there were a few textual changes. One thing is that it says that everyone is allowed. Reshoim, with an aleph. They're allowed to approach the king. That's how the Alter Rebbe writes it in Lukut When the Fidik Rebbe wrote it in the Maimel Omer Libi, Tafshin, and Tafshin Yud, it says, Reshoim, they're allowed and they're able. Not just they're allowed, they're able. What's the difference? Maybe you're allowed to do something, but you're not able to do it. Technically, it's legal. No one's going to stop me, but I can't do it. I'm not able to do it, or I can't bring myself to do it, or whatever internal obstacle there is. So this is, they're allowed and they're able to do it. Another thing is, it says, after they greet him in the field, the, the people, they follow, they go after him. They follow him to the palace. That's how it says it in the, in the, in the Alter Rebbe's version, in Lukut Torah. The Friedrich Rebbe's version, he adds one word, they all go after him. What's the difference? You might think that although he greeted everybody in the field, because it says he greets everybody in the field, but not everybody was affected the same way by that greeting, so they didn't all follow him. But here it says, no, they all follow him. And, uh, and there's another change, but I, I just want to talk about these, these two textual changes. The Rebbe asks, why did the Fidika Rebbe change the words? And he says that this really represents a sign of the times. That the, the Fidika Rebbe's times are different than the Alter Rebbe's times. I mean, everyone knows that. <laughs> that's, that's patently obvious. But sometimes that needs to be said, um, that even when it comes to spiritual teachings, which of course... Torah is eternal and unchanging, but people change. The nature of people changes. And sometimes the way we say this, the, the truth, the truth doesn't change, but the way we say it, yeah, it does have to 
evolve. And and so the 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 reason that the Fidik Rebbe is using different language is because the people of his generation need to hear this parable in slightly different language. And specifically, the Rebbe says, with more clarity, that things that once upon a time people were able to infer, the Rebbe says that in, in the olden days, the original chassidim, chassidim of the Alter Rebbe, they would hear one word and they would thoroughly absorb it, and that's all they needed. But in our days, the Rebbe says, people need things spelled out. They need it spelled out. So that's why the Fidik Rebbe adds these words. The Chassidim of the Alter Rebbe didn't need it spelled out. To them, you can figure it out. You can infer. But we need it spelled out. And uh, it's just such a powerful idea that, you know, there are ideas that are loving ideas. The king is in the field. The king's smiling at you. The king brings you with him to the palace. And yet, because of who we are as a generation, we don't hear the love. The love is there, but we don't hear it. And the Fidik Rebbe knew that somebody from his daughter, from his generation, could look into a Lakute Teira and read that loving marshal, that parable which is full of, of fatherly love, and maybe miss, maybe miss the point and, and not feel that love. So the Fidikrebbe did something which ostensibly was was difficult for him to make a textual change from something that the the, the holy Alter Rebbe wrote in Lukote Torah, but that people of our day and age should be able to access the hope and the encouragement and the love and, 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 and the strength and the empowerment that's in the words of Lukote Torah. So the Fidik Rebbe added some words. And obviously, I say obviously because I, I, I just can't imagine a counter-argument to this statement, even though I'm making it purely based on logic and not based on a source. If you look in the Rebbe's Chassidus, where the Rebbe took seven generations or six previous generations of, of Chassidus Chabad and did so much retelling and, and so much textual analysis, every mimer of the Rebbe pretty much is an analysis of, of one of his predecessors' discourses. And... and the Rebbe takes that truth and retells it in words where people of our generation can hear the love that's in those words. And the, the love was always in the words, but we need someone who connects to us and knows us to retell it to us so that we're able to access what it's really saying on, on, on the page. Okay, let, let's let's continue here. Der Nimschel der von is. So the Rebbe said the parable. The Rebbe didn't even spell out <laughs> what it what it represents. As der Chedish Elul 
was ist der letzte Chedisch von Jahr, wenn man darf machen ein Cheshben und Nefesh für ein ganzen, für ein ganzen Jahr. That the month of Elo, which is the last month of the year, and we make a, an inventory, spiritual inventory, regarding the, the year that's gone by, soll sich ein Mensch nicht der Schrecken. A person should not be afraid wenn er nimmt sich betrachten wegen sein Uffering in der vergangenen Zeit. When he thinks about his behavior during the time that's gone by. You know, a lot of people are afraid of Elul. I heard a Pelesha Chassid once say, Hualilim kores yikareisun. He said, Hualilim kores yikareisun. This is from Alaini, you know, Alaini Shabayach, we say at the end of Davening. So he said that that is the Baal Shem Tif. Literally, Alilim means uh, idols. Avedis Alilim, sometimes it's called idol worship. But he said, Ha'alilim kares yukaresen that in his Pelesha Havara, in his, his pronunciation, so Elilim is like the same as Elul, the plural for Elul. Well, Elilim Kodesh Yukaresen, he said, that's the Balshemtiv. The Balshemtiv, Teres Balshemtiv came and took the old Elilim, the way people used to experience in Elul, that they were terrified. They were sick with worry. What is going to happen on the Yem Adin? I'm going to be judged. I'm going to be cut off. God forbid. Right? So the Baal Shem Tev came. He cut that out. He got, he, he cut it out. Got rid of it. Got rid of it. So, you know, a lot of people are terrified of El. Even after the Baal Shem Tev. I'm not sure why. There's still people around. <laughs> you know, it's it's interesting. Let's mention there was a, a Fabrengen, Resh Chedish Elul, Aleph Elul. Tavshin um, Membeis, where the Rebbe was speaking about rabbis who give scary sermons in Elul, and they tell everybody that you're going to be judged, and look how bad you did this year, and you're not going to equal up to the judgment. This is not going to be good for you, and they make everybody nervous about uh, the high holidays, and it's very interesting. What the Rebbe said, he said, you know, how can somebody speak like that in Elul? HaMelech <laughs> Basada, the king is in the field. Like, not only is it not nice to scare people, but like, it doesn't even make sense. Why? And specifically now, in Elul, like of all times when the king is in the field, when there's these galas, you'd give midas harachimim, like the Alter Rebbe explains there in, in Lukutei Torah. This is, the Alter Rebbe actually asks the whole question. The, the Melech Basad, the marshal, is to explain a question he has, which is basically, Elul is so powerful. It's such a revelation of, of divine compassion that in theory, the whole month should be a yomtif. The whole month should be one yomtif. And the fact that it's yemechoyl, that it's not a yomtif, that it's regular days, that, that we have to explain that. That's what we need a whole mimer to explain. But at any rate, the Rebbe says this, this, this forbidding Tavshim base. How are people giving these scary musadrashas and telling people to be frightened in Elul? This is the time when Hashem is most approachable. 
<laughs> like this is a time when you have to be the most encouraged and uplifted. And that I've actually mentioned there, he says, but the guy who says this sermon, these scary sermons, he probably doesn't know about <laughs> HaMelech Basadeh. He never heard about this concept. If he would have heard of the concept, then, you know, maybe he would realize that's not what Elul's about. So the Rebbe tells this woman, Elul is a time where don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. <laughs> the king's in the field. He's smiling at you. He's very approachable. This is the opposite of a scary time. Yeah. Next paragraph, yeah. Um, Zuckmanam. Yeah. That we're up to. Zuckmanam. We tell him. Tell the person. This person who's worried about his spiritual inadequacies. Zolz wissen sein, you should know. As chod in a felt. Yeah, you're in a field. And metaphorically, what does that mean? You're in a field. Not such a fancy place. Spiritually, you're not in such a fancy place. Und weist noch nit oib du bist zugepasst. Man soll dir reinlassen in an Ort, wo es weinen richtige Menschen. You don't know if they're going to let you into the palace, a place where proper people are allowed in. You're a, you're a field person. Maybe you, you won't get into the palace. That's what you're thinking. So I'll stop and but you got to know. As der Melech Malchi Amlochim, it's Reisenfeld. The king, the king of all kings, is coming out to you in the field. So you're worried, am I going to make it into the palace? Don't worry about making it into the palace. The king is not in the palace right now. The king's in the field with you. Was dort kannst du gleich zu ihm zugehen und erlangen dein Bakosche. And there in the field, you go straight up to him and you ask him whatever you want. Und er wird dir aufnehmen, besever upon him office und mit der Schmeichel. And he's going to receive you with a kind face, with a smile. Bemela darfst du sich nicht schrecken, therefore you don't have to be afraid. Und chotsch der Cheshben, was du hast gemacht von deine Meisim. Seems like the Rebbe is now speaking to her again directly. And even though you, Rebbe speaking second person to her, even though you made this spiritual inventory, about your behaviors, your deeds, raid and your speech, and machshaves and your thought is nit ken gutter, and your inventory didn't come up as a good inventory. <laughs> it, uh, what do you call when you do the the, the the accounting? So you weren't in the black; you were in the red, or at least that's what what you think when you made your your stock taking. But since you're dealing with a compassionate father, the Rebbe says in Lashon Kedish, Overachamon, and the Rebbe says in Yiddish, a father full mitrachmonis. It's even richer in the Yiddish. Not just a merciful father, but a father full of mercy. Is nor All you have to do is just make a decision. As von 
was du tun alts, was du kannst zu sein, wie der Ebischter will. That from now on, you're going to do everything you can to be how Hashem wants you to be. That's all. That's all you have to do. You don't have to be perfect, not in the past and not even right now. You just have to make a decision. And you're going to certainly have a good inscription and a good seal. A good Senor, Sai, Farnguf, and Sai, Farnineshama, both for your body and your soul. Now that I begin more particular about motherhood and something specific to this woman as a mother. And apparently the Rebbe knew the family and makes reference to that. Befrat darf sich fühlen ermutigt a mutter was hat ufgehadet kinder welche gehen bei der Hayasher. A woman, especially a woman who has raised children in the right path, should feel very encouraged. You raised your children in the way of Torah and Chassidus. That's one of the greatest merits a woman can have. And this is going to help you go out of your own situation, which is not the way that it ought to be. The Rebbe doesn't, by the way, argue with her and tell her that she's not in an undesirable place. He just says it's going to be okay. First of all, Hashem is a father full mit Rachmanes. Hashem is a very merciful father. But also, listen, you have schosim. You, you, you raise good children. And this is going to help you get out of your situation. This is going to help you to conduct yourself onto the right path. Uh, that you'll have good materially and spiritually. Now here's the part where, um, I mean, this 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 by itself, what we read so far, is worth the price of admission. Now the Rebbe is going to add a further point, and this is why we chose this letter for this Gimel Tamas Hachona, where we're learning letters that are specifically about the connection between a Chassid and a Rebbe and a Rebbe and a Chassid. By the way, maybe some of you noticed that I've been somewhat uh, pedantic about, and it's a, sort of a belabored way of speaking. Uh, every time I translate his kashras, I say the connection or the relationship between a Rebbe and a Chassid and a Chassid and a Rebbe. <laughs> Why do I do that? I do that because um, remember the first week when we read the Shlemach Chaim Kesselman letter? And I, and I mentioned to you the story that uh, Reb Melech Tzvibel told that he was at a Fabrengen in Lod, in Eretz Yisrael, where, where Reb Shlomichayim was Fabrengen. And there was this Litva Shabachar. A lot of non-Chabad Bacham used to enjoy his Fabrengens. He used to come visit. So th- this this young man was uh, sort of arguing with Shlomichayim and telling him, yeah, it's okay. Uh, you, you know, you you have your hiskashras to 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 your rebbe. He says, I, "I'm a makusher of uh, a bayeverava." 
Bhaivarava, the Amaroyim, the great sages in the Gemara. So, uh, Shlem Echayim says to this Bachar, he says, Great, you want to be connected to Abayavarava. But who says Abayavarava want to be connected to you? That's <laughs> the uniqueness of the Rebbe, that he wants to be connected to every single Jew. So that's why when I say his kashras now, I just started this a few weeks ago, but uh, whenever I say it, I say the connection between a Rebbe and a Chassid and a Chassid and a Rebbe. A chassid and a rebbe and a rebbe, I think, yeah. A chassid and a rebbe, that's like the general way people always say it. It's kashras. But hold on. A rebbe and a chassid. Kamayim upon him, upon him. There's a reciprocation. <laughs> the rebbe wants to be connected to you. So that's why I, I say it that way. Um, so let's let's read inside. Midarfen alavisen. We have to know. We all have to know. As mir hoben gehat a grace in Rebben, und mir hoben jetzt euch a grace in Rebben. Hu kveid kedushes meire vechom yadmur hakam. We had a great Rebbe, and we have now a great Rebbe. Who is this? My father-in-law, my Rebbe. And the Rebbe uses again that term hakam, which is the acronym for someone who has passed away that year. Was hat gebeten und euch gebeten und bet euch jetzt euch brach was lache für jeden beklau und für die welche seinen mit ihm verbunden befrat. He requested, meaning from Hashem, on behalf of Jews in general, and he continues now in the present to make requests from heaven on behalf of Jews in general, and also for those especially who are connected to him. And like we learned last week in the letter to the Baba Meir, that people who are connected to the Rebbe don't necessarily mean people who met him in his lifetime. It could be people who are inspired by his teachings. That could also mean people who are connected with him. So the Rebbe tells this woman who's feeling bad about her spiritual standing, listen, first thing the Rebbe says, Malach Basadeh, okay? And you did a good job as a mother. Like, okay, fine. But now the Rebbe says, another point. We had and we have, meaning even after Yud Shvat, even after the Fidik Rebbe's passing, a great Rebbe who makes requests from heaven on behalf of the Jews, and especially for those who connect to him. So, like, what are you worried about? What are you worried about? The Rebbe is, <laughs> is your lawyer. <laughs> the Rebbe is defending you here. Relax. <laughs> You're good. You're in good hands. Now, watch what the Rebbe says. Der Rebbe hat gewusst und weiß jetzt euch die Schwachkeiten in die Männer oder Freuen in Kahala das Hachsidim. The Rebbe knew, and the Rebbe knows now, the weaknesses of the men and the women in the Hasidic community of his followers. You think that you're so bad, and because you're so bad, therefore, you're getting all scared that you're not going to have a good year. God forbid. 
I want you to know something. Whatever it is that you think is so terrible, the Rebbe can handle it. <laughs> the Rebbe always davened for us, and he knew exactly our darkness. He knew our defects. And even, the Rebbe goes further and says, and he knows now. And he knows now. Now, I want to sort of insert something here. I just couldn't help but think about this when I came to this point in the letter. Asicha from Achen Shel Pesach Tavshin Yod. Again, from this year. From the year within the 12 months of passing of the Friedrich Rebbe. So there's a Fabrengen Achen Shel Pesach. Actually, this portion of the, the Fabrengen, which I'm going to tell you uh, a point from, was later edited and reviewed by the Rebbe, and it's included, it's a Mugad de Kasicha, in other words, and it's included in Chelik base of Lukut in the Heisophis, in the Yud Shvat section of the appendix in the back of Chelik base, volume two of Lukut Over there, the Rebbe speaks about the Gemara that says when Rebbe, Rebbe is Rebbeinu HaKadosh, Yehuda HaNasi, that when he was about to pass away, he made a pronouncement. He said, I need my sons. And then he gave three directives to his sons before he passed away. He said, um, keep my bed made, keep my table set, and um, keep my lamp turned on, keep the lamp lit. So the Rebbe then proceeds to explain these three requests in terms of the ongoing relationship between a Rebbe and Chassidim and Chassidim and a Rebbe, even after his passing. Because after all, what's the context of this story in the Gemara? That this is right before Rebbe is passing away. And he says, I still need my sons. Meaning even though I'm moving on, I'm going to, like remember last week in the class, we said, Histalkos means moving on to a higher level. And even though I'm moving on to a higher level, I still need you. I still have a relationship with you, my, my children. And that relationship will express itself in three areas. This is what the Rebbe explains. The, the, the made bed and the set table and the, and the lit lamp. What, what, what does that mean? So the Rebbe says it's talking about three areas of brachas that we, we go to the Rebbe. Bane chayim azayna. Bane chayim azayna means children, life, and sustenance. But in simple English, it would be family, health, and money. So those are three areas where someone would go to a Rebbe and ask for brachas. So the Rebbe says you should know and why, why do they represent each one that I've explained? Maybe I'll say it very uh, briefly. That um, So the made bed represents children, right? Mitose shlema, like it says about Yanko Avino. His bed was complete. That means all of his sons were tzaddikim. Bed is the place of procreation. So that represents the, uh, the family, having children. And uh, health is the, 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 the lit candle, because ne'er Hashem nishmas odem, 
that when the soul is shining in the body, that's like a lamp that's lit. And money is the table because the table's where you eat your bread, where you have your sustenance, literally where you nourish yourself. So those three things represent three areas of blessing that one would go to a Rebbe to ask for him to, to pray and to make requests on your behalf. So the Rebbe says that the lesson of this story is that even though Rebbe is going to a higher place, he tells his sons, you could still approach me about these things. And I'm not going to look at you and be like, come on, so mundane. This is so pedestrian. I'm up in heaven. I'm dealing with lofty stuff. And you're talking to me about money and health and family. Like, come on. No. That's not going to be the reaction because even though the Rebbe is going to a higher level, he's still interested in your life down there. Now, that's not why I particularly thought, everything I told you so far is not why I particularly thought of the Sikh of Achen Shopesach Tav when I read this part of the letter. The part of the the sicha tafshinyod, tafshinyod, that I was thinking of, why I wanted to bring it up over here, is where is what I'm about to tell you right now, which is related to what it says here in the letter that Rebbe knew, and that Rebbe knows even now that the, the weaknesses that Rebbe uses a long Yiddish word, the shvachkaiten of the men and women who are his chesedim. In this sicha tafshinyod. The Rebbe gives an alternative definition of the made bed and says the made bed can represent, like we said, procreation. So asking the Rebbe for blessings for anything that's family related for fertility and for success in raising your children and your children's happiness. But on an even deeper level, the mita, the bad, represents sin. And the Rebbe gives two explanations why the bad represents sin. One reason, a little more homiletical, which is that when you sin, you put your head and your feet on the same level. Meaning, you're not acting intelligently. Right, that's the Gemara and Saita says. So a person sins because he's not thinking right. So his head and his feet are on the same level. That's why the bed is sin. But then the Rebbe says, you know why also bed is sin? The Rebbe says, come on. <laughs> come on, grow up. Because this is an area, the Rebbe uses uh, the, the, the polite rabbinic language, and I'm going to try to use polite language also, even though I'm saying things in English. There are areas of struggle, of spiritual struggle, that are particularly hard for people to deal with because they entail a lot of shame. And this is what politely we refer to as chattis nurim, sins of youth, but it really, what are the sins of youth? <laughs> like taking an extra cookie at snack time, pretending to be napping and not really napping during nap. And those, that's what 
they do in kindergarten. Those are the sins of kindergarten. Chattas yeah. Nore means um, spiritual failings of an intimate nature. And the Rebbe says that you should know that the Rebbe is approachable to discuss this aspect of your life. And not only, and this is enough of a bombshell, the Rebbe is so holy, and in his lifetime he could hear about your struggles in that area. But even after his histalkos, and the Rebbe is now in heaven, and he's on a much higher level, he's still approachable. And you can still talk to him about your struggles in that most personal, private, intimate part of your life. A mind-blowing concept. Now, I don't know what this woman is writing about. I don't know what kind of schwachkeiten, what kind of spiritual weaknesses that she had or she thought that she had. I'm not implying it's of this nature. My point is that Ebbe says here in the letter that Ebbe knew and even now in heaven knows the weaknesses of his of his chassidim. And that's what made me think of that, that sicha from Achen Shel Pesach where the Rebbe is saying not only can you go to the Rebbe even after his istalkus and you can speak to the Rebbe in heaven and tell him about your day and tell him about your business and tell him about your family and tell him about your doctor's visit which itself is a total chiddush but even more than that if you're struggling if you did something that you're not proud of and not just any moral failing but even a moral failing specifically of an intimate nature. These are things that you can talk to the Rebbe about. I think it's so important that our youth understand, youth, (laughs) all of us understand, that there's a reason why the Kriya on Yom Kippur at Mincha is about illicit relationships, illicit intimate relationships. And uh, Rashi explains very clearly in the Gemara, Megillah, why that is, why that is the Torah reading, that it's an area that many people struggle in. And there are different levels, obviously, of struggling. There's thought, there's speech, and there's action. But the point is, that this is a real part of life. And when we talk about his kashas, the relationship between a chassid and a rebbe, and a rebbe and a chassid, it includes being able to speak openly and without shame about these issues. Private is different than shameful. Something can be private. It's not something you talk about to everyone. But it's not shameful. It's a reality. It's part of the human condition. And uh, I guess what I'm saying is that if we want to be real chassidim of the Rebbe, then it's important for us to know and it's important for our children to know and for us to be the ones. Come on, parents, step up. Be the one to tell your child that there is such a thing as human nature, and from the, 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 the moment of the Chet Eitz Adas, Odom and Chava became aware 
of themselves and they became aware of their needs and desires and and they also became ashamed and when this drive is channeled in a holy way then it is the pinnacle of a human's potential to be godlike and when it's not channeled in the proper way when we make mistakes so dealing with that is also part of being a spiritual person and having a relationship with Hashem. So if you haven't told your child, especially you were talking, you know, like I'm not even going to put this at an expert level challenge right now, but you have teenagers. If you haven't told them that his kashras means that you can write to the Rebbe about your struggles in these areas well, I would I would tell you maybe that's something you can think of working on in preparation for Gimel Tamas. So what the Rebbe said, that the Rebbe is approachable even now, not only for blessings, but to talk about our, our imperfections. And the Rebbe's the one who got specific. I'm not the one who's deciding to read into it something uh, racy, something uh, provocative or... The Rebbe is the one who says that it, it, not, not just regular sins, but specifically struggles in the area of human intimacy. Let's not let puritanical sensibilities deprive us of our proper relationship with the Rebbe and our ability to to grow as uh, as spiritual people obviously there's something called privacy obviously there's propriety obviously the Gemara even says that when you discuss these subjects it's not supposed to be in large groups okay you do it in a, in a, in a modest way and it's neistic away but if we're never going to talk about these things then then where should our children find out about it and, and, and if they make a mistake in this area, where should they seek healing? Where should they go? Where do you want them to go? It's an unavoidable part of human nature. So do we want them? And, and not even a part of human nature. If I'm going to really, really get a, you know, I'm still on my soapbox. So <laughs> it's the core of human nature. This is the most basic, this is the most basic, basic feature of a human being since Odom and Chava is Hagoshes Atzmai which specifically expresses itself in this Taiva Mo'urav Betevera the thing that can be the highest of the high or God forbid the opposite so the Rebbe knew when he was alive here in this world and the Rebbe knows in heaven all of the weaknesses, including weaknesses of an intimate personal nature of which you may be ashamed, go to the Rebbe. Pour out your heart. Talk it through. You have a compassionate, loving Father who's on your side, and He relates to you, and He's not judging you. And I'm sorry to belabor this point, and I'm sorry to drag this out, and I'm sure people are turning this off, they're getting sick of hearing it, but you know what? The Rebbe said, 
I mentioned before the Fabregen Chavzayin Elo, where the Rebbe said, from the time of the Friedrich Rebbe to the time of the Alter Rebbe, from the Alter Rebbe to the Friedrich Rebbe, certain things need to be spelled out more. Okay, maybe I'm taking liberties I shouldn't take, but it seems to be that certain things that maybe once upon a time didn't need to be spoken, need to be spoken today. Maybe it was implicitly understood in previous generations that this is part of his conscious and this is part of being a spiritual seeker and this is part of having a relationship with Hashem and that these subjects have a place within Yiddishkeit. But I just see too many instances every single day where this becomes the thing that derails people, that this becomes the thing that all of a sudden, I can't, I can't have this, I can't be dealing with this and still be a good Jew and still be a chosid and be a shliach. How, how can I have something like this and this becomes the, 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 like a little pin that pops the balloon and that's it? Because their whole concept of being a Yid was, was, was fragile like a balloon. And that, so the concept was just, just took a pin to pop it. Our concept of being a Jew has to be strong enough and complete enough and full enough and developed enough that we have a way of dealing with these things. And that when we do struggle in this area, it doesn't pop the balloon and undo everything else. Okay. Off the soapbox. So the Rebbe says, The Rebbe hat gewusst und weist, und weist jetzt, euch die Schwachkeiten in die Männer and backing up, oder Freuen in Kahala das Chassidim. The Rebbe knew and the Rebbe knows the weaknesses, the moral weaknesses of his Chassidim, the men and the women. Aber nicht gucken dich auf der Ruf, hat er verzeihen, but in spite of that, he knew what they were struggling with. He knew their private shame. And he still davened for them. Of course he davened for them. Und ist auf sie, und not only he did daven, und ist auf sie, Miss Paolo, and he continues, present tense, he davens. Knowing everything he knows, he's still davening for you. As they soll in haben das, was they darfen, they should have everything they need. Bone chayim ezeine revicha. Ample children, health, and sustenance. Like I mentioned before, bone chayim ezeine correspond to the, uh, the bed, the lamp, and the table. Und as de ebster soll ze meichel sein, ze raveris. And the Rebbe is davening for you that Hashem should forgive your sins. And that's that other level of bed that we discussed. The Rebbe knows and he's davening for you and he's asking Hashem to forgive your sins. Nehmen dich in Acht dem Zustand in welcher sie gefinden sich und in Isienis von Jezahara. Keeping in mind the mitigating circumstances I'll translate it as the situation in which they are in and the test that they have from the Yetzirah. In other words, 
the Rebbe understands the context. He understands the backstory. It wasn't in a vacuum that these things happened. Are they wrong? Of course they're wrong. And we have to do tshuva, and we need Hashem to forgive us for that. But are they going to destroy everything? Are they going to pop the balloon, like I was saying? Are they going to put an end to everything, God forbid? No, we're going to work through it. We're going to work through it. So consequently, what's the upshot of all this? We all have to make a decision, an agreement. We're going to become better from now on. And that decision, just the decision, is going to bring success and blessing. All of us, including you and your family, should have a good, sweet year. Every one of them should have all of their good requests of their heart fulfilled. That the mela sein gut, we're going to be religious. I know that word can be triggering, but after, I mean, we've been reading a letter from a very compassionate, loving rabbi, so don't get triggered by by one word. This is the real context of the word from. Okay, if that word was ruined by people who didn't use it in a loving understanding context. Let's reclaim that word, okay? So this, this this same Rebbe who says that you can still talk to the Rebbe in heaven about all of your issues and he's going to understand and he's going to fight for you. He's going to be your defense attorney. Okay, so the same Rebbe who says that says, Mazol sein frum, that bemele sein gut, begashmish baruchnis. We're going to be from, we're going to be religious, and everything's going to be good materially and spiritually. Everything that you mentioned in your letter, I will mention at an opportune time at the resting place of my father-in-law, the Rebbe, for a uh, to be written and 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 sealed for for a good year. Ich wünschaich und alle Eide. I wish you and yours to be written and sealed for good. Loshana for a good sweet year. Und sicher wet ihr kann in my dear sein besuchs Tevas von sich und alle Eide. And certainly you're going to be able to let me know good news about yourself and all of your loved ones. And the Rebbe writes his name. <sighs> Powerful letter. Um, like I said, a letter that I think we can all see ourselves in. 
Okay, we uh, added to this uh, packet, the PDF packet, uh, a a minor from Tufshin Lamed Tess. So to uh, keep with the plans, I'm just going to teach this very quickly. Uh, A minor means it's not a letter, like in the Igris, these are letters, but this is um, a note, you could even call it. Sometimes it was a note that was left at the secretariat for somebody to uh, to pick up um, like one a one sentence answer and uh, so there there's a minor an a- literally minor means an answer from Tafshin Lamites and uh, I think it's related here in the sense that it's somebody who is feeling morally weak and is reaching out for some type of help. And the Rebbe's answer has to do with the relationship between Chassid and a Rebbe and a Rebbe and a Chassid. Okay, Here, here's, here's the minor. Tistakel, and again, this is just uh, like a short one-sentence answer. It's not a whole letter. Tistakel bitmunas kveid kedushas made of admur. Look at a picture of my father-in-law, the Rebbe. He's writing to a woman. When you feel a weakening in your goodwill, meaning when you feel it very difficult to do the right thing. And you're going to remember, that since the Rebbe is a true shepherd of the Jewish people, He's looking back at you at that moment. We all have our moments of weakness. We all have our struggles. And we have to know that that is part of life and that We have a Rebbe who even now, whatever (laughs) levels that the Rebbe is able to reach spiritually, is still approachable about everything that matters to you and even about the things that you don't feel very good about when you think about yourself. If we're going to continue to talk about Iskashris, if we're going to continue to talk about the Rebbe after Gimel Thomas, then let's do it right. Let's tell the whole story. It's not just about the stuff that we're proud to talk about. Not every story is a story 
that anyone will ever repeat to anyone else because it's private. So you're not going to hear Chassidim sitting at a Fabrengen and talking about having a moral failure and going to the oil and sharing that with the Rebbe and finding a way back out of that. They're not going to speak about that. They're going to talk about... Uh, they needed uh, $100,000 by, by 3 p.m. for the closing on the building, and all of a sudden uh, this big donor fell in out of nowhere. Those are the stories you're going to hear. But trust me when I tell you that that I've been new and that I've been knows and that I've been davens for us and this is this is what the relationship is don't make the narrative so clean so polished that people don't even know what you mean anymore again I said certain things need to be discussed in private. I'm on the internet right now. So you're going to say, Taub, you're a hypocrite. You be first. I'm on the internet right now. But if you're a parent, talk to your child. If you're an educator, talk to your student. If you're somebody's mashpia, say lecharav, like the Rebbe said, that people should have a personal mentor. And we have to talk about everything. We have to talk about it all. The entirety of human experience. And yes, there is such a thing called polite language, and there is such a thing called modesty. And I'm not going to sit here on the internet and, and, and be the guy to, to say the words, the, you know, the hot-button words. But please, in the proper context, parents... Sit with your child. You have a child right now, I promise you, who has questions about this area of, 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 human, of the human experience. And if they don't know that this is part of their Yiddishkeit, where are they looking for guidance and clarity? And if worse, they think that having a struggle in this area completely undermines everything they are as a Jew, then everything good that you're pumping into them all day long, it's going in one ear, going out the other, because they have this deficit, or they think they have this deficit, that it's, it's crippling them. They, they, it's a non-starter. How can I even begin to serve when I'm such a defective person? So let's have those difficult discussions, and let's really tell our children and our students and our friends, what his kashas really means and what it really includes, okay? The Rebbe's got your back. Don't be afraid. Just, just go there. Just go there. Just do it. Okay, good Shabbos to everybody.